travelers to another episode of High Level Chronicles. I'm your host, Chris, and today we're going to be diving into the world of cannabis. In this episode, Cannabis 101, A Beginner's Guide, we'll take you on a journey through its history, various strains, consumption methods, and potential health benefits. So whether you're a complete newbie or just looking to expand your knowledge, this episode is for you. Let's get started. So sit back, relax, spark one up, and let's embark on this journey together. To understand the present, we must explore the past. Let's start with a brief history of cannabis. Cannabis, also known as marijuana or hemp, has been cultivated and used by humans for various purposes for well over 10,000 years. The plant itself comes from the Cannabisiae family and contains over 100 different compounds called cannabinoids. The two most well-known cannabinoids are tetrahydrocannabinol, aka THC, cannabidiol, aka CBD, each with its own unique properties. Its origins can be tracked to Central Asia, where it grew wild in regions such as modern-day Mongolia and Siberia. The plant's versatility made it highly valuable to early civilizations. It's been used for various purposes for medicinal, spiritual, and of course recreational use. Ancient civilizations were quick to discover the many uses of cannabis. In China, hemp fibers were utilized to make textiles, rope, and paper as early as 2800 BCE. The Chinese also recognized the plant's medicinal properties and employed it in traditional herbal remedies. Meanwhile, in India, cannabis played a significant role in religious and spiritual practices and was mentioned in sacred texts known as the Vedas from around 1500 BCE. From ancient China to the Mayans in Central America, cannabis has played an integral role in human societies throughout history. As civilizations flourished and expanded, so did the use of cannabis. The plant found its way to various parts of the world through both trade routes and cultural exchanges. Moving westward, we find evidence of cannabis used in ancient Egypt. The Egyptians incorporated cannabis into their medicinal practices and remnants of the plant have been discovered in tombs and archaeological sites. Similarly, in the Middle East, cannabis was employed for both medicinal and religious purposes. Pretty quickly, the use of cannabis spread throughout the entire region, eventually reaching Europe and Africa. Let's fast forward to the exploration and the colonization period when cannabis found its way to the New World. When European explorers arrived in the Americas, they encountered indigenous cultures that were already familiar with cannabis. Native Americans American tribes such as the Algonquian, the Iroquois, and Navajo have been using cannabis for various purposes for centuries. They utilized the plant's fibers for making clothing, rope, and baskets, while its medicinal properties were applied in traditional remedies. So as we enter the modern era, we witness the evolving attitudes and regulations surrounding cannabis. In the 17th and 18th centuries, cannabis cultivation became prevalent in Europe and the American colonies. A non-intoxicating variety of cannabis was extensively grown for its strong fibers used in shipbuilding, textiles, and paper production. However, as the 20th century approached, public opinion towards cannabis began to shift. The early 20th century marked a turning point for cannabis as various countries began implementing strict laws and regulations. In the United States, the Marijuana Tax Act of 1937 effectively criminalized the plant, driven by concerns over its alleged social and health risks. This set the stage for the Prohibition era, with cannabis becoming demonized and its use heavily stigmatized. Marijuana was listed as a Schedule One substance under the Controlled Substances Act by the Nixon administration in 1972. What Schedule One means, according to this, is that it has a high potential for abuse and not currently accepted medical use and treatment in the United States and lack of accepted safety for use under medical supervision. 
However, in recent decades, perceptions and regulations surrounding cannabis have undergone some really significant changes. The late 20th century saw a resurgence of interest in the medicinal properties of cannabis. Researchers and patients advocated for its therapeutic potential in managing conditions such as chronic pain, epilepsy, and nausea. This led to the legalization of medical cannabis in various countries and states worldwide, allowing patients to access the plant's healing properties under regulated conditions. Even right here in the U.S., at the time of recording this podcast, there are over 40 states, as well as the District of Columbia, that have legalized marijuana either medically or recreationally or even both. So hopefully it's only a matter of time before the federal government removes it from the Schedule 1 list. We all know there's talks about it right now. There's bills being worked through the Congress as we speak. I am positive that we can get there soon, but only time will tell. Now that we have a brief understanding of its historical significance, let's move on to the different strains of cannabis. The cannabis plant comes in various types or strains, each with its own unique characteristics. The two most common types, of course, sativa and indica. Sativa strains are known for their energizing effects, often providing a more uplifting and cerebral type of experience. This is also known as what they call a head high. Indica strains, on the other hand, are associated with that relaxed feeling and are often chosen for their potential to provide a more sedating or body high experience. Additionally, there are hybrid strains, which are a combination of both sativa and indica genetics, offering a balanced experience as well as the ruderalis, aka CBD, which is a whole topic on itself. Nowadays, you can kind of pick and choose the exact type of high you're looking for just by going to the dispensary. Sativa. Sativa strains are known for their energizing and uplifting effects. They typically have higher levels of THC, which is the psychoactive compound responsible for the high associated with cannabis. Sativa strains are often described as providing a cerebral and creative high, promoting focus, motivation, and social ability. They are the most commonly used during the day and can enhance activities such as socializing, physical activities, and creative pursuits like painting or even making music. Some popular classic sativa strains include Sour Diesel, Jack Herrera, and Durban Poison. Now, indica strains are generally associated with relaxing and sedating effects. They tend to have higher levels of CBD, which is a non-psychoactive compound known for its potential therapeutic benefits. Indica strains are known for their soothing properties, providing a more body-centered and calming experience. Often used in the evening or at night to promote relaxation, relieve stress, and aid in sleep. Indica strains are also commonly used for pain relief and muscle relaxation. Some popular indica strains include Granddaddy Purple, Northern Lights, which is one of my all-time favorites, and OG Kush. It's important to note that many strains on the market today are hybrids, meaning they are a combination of both sativa and indica genetics, resulting in a blend of effects. Hybrid strains can lead more towards the sativa or indica side, depending on their genetic composition, or they can even be a perfect 50-50 split. In addition to the sativa indica classification, cannabis strains are often characterized by their specific terpene profiles. Terpenes are the aromatic compounds found in cannabis and many other plants. They contribute to the distinctive smells and flavors of different strains and also have potential therapeutic properties. Common terpenes found in cannabis include myrcene, limonene, pinene, and linalool, among others. Each terpene has its own unique scent and may be associated with special effects such as relaxation, mood enhancement, or even focus. You're going to find out that there are some terps that you enjoy and some that you just can't stand. It all comes down to personal preference. So now that we have an understanding of the strains, let's talk about the various consumption methods available. Cannabis can be consumed in different forms such as smoking, vaping, 
edibles, tinctures, and topicals. Smoking probably being the most traditional method, typically done by rolling the dried cannabis flower into a joint or a blunt, uh, using a pipe or a bong. Hell, I've even seen some people smoke weed through cans. You all know my first experience if you listen to our pilot episode. <laughs> Apples, all kinds of various crazy fucking contraptions I've seen all over. Vaping involves heating the cannabis without combustion, resulting in a smoother experience. Edibles are infused with cannabis extracts, allowing you to consume it in the form of treats like brownies, cookies, Skittles, whatever you can think of. The, there's endless possibilities. Also, cannabis-infused foods, such as things like can of butter and even beverages now days. Edibles, though, they can take longer to kick in, sometimes even a couple hours, but they tend to have a longer lasting effect. So it's important to start with a low dose and wait for the effects to fully manifest before you consume more. I mean, go check out my boy, Chris Allen. He's a comedian, but just type his name in YouTube and watch his video where he took 300 milligrams of edibles if you want a good laugh. Tinctures are liquid extracts that can be consumed sublingually. And topicals are cannabis-infused creams, lotions, or bombs that can be applied to the skin. Each consumption method offers its own unique experience, so it's important to find out what works best for you. Let's dive into some of the most popular methods a little bit more. Smoking. Smoking, which is my favorite way to consume, involves combusting the plant material and inhaling the resulting smoke. The traditional method involves rolling dried cannabis flowers into joints, blunts, or using pipes, bongs, or water pipes. You can pretty much make a bowl out of anything in your house. Just saying. Smoking offers a rapid onset of effects, but may have health risks associated with inhaling smoke, as with breathing in any type of smoke. Vaporization, aka vaping, is an alternative method to smoking that involves heating cannabis to a temperature that releases its active compounds, but without combustion. Vaporizers come in many various forms, such as desktop units, portable devices, and vape pens. Vaping reduces exposure to harmful combustion byproducts, providing a smoother experience for even those around you. Edibles are cannabis-infused products, such as gummies, chocolates, baked goods, and beverages. When ingested, the cannabinoids are metabolized in the digestive system, resulting in a delayed onset of effects, usually somewhere in between 30 minutes and about two hours. Edibles offer long-lasting effects and usually have a little more potency but require more precise dosing to avoid overconsumption. I already told you an edible reference earlier. Tinctures and oils, you know, cannabis tinctures and oils are liquid extracts typically placed under the tongue for sublingual absorption. They offer faster onset compared to edibles as the cannabinoids are absorbed directly into the bloodstream through your mucous membranes. Tinctures provide dosage control and are often preferred for medicinal purposes. Cannabis capsules contain pre-measured doses of cannabinoids, providing a convenient and discreet method of consumption. They, like edibles, they are metabolized in the digestive system, resulting in delayed effects. Capsules, though, offer better precision dosage and are commonly used in medical cannabis treatments. Topical cannabis products include lotions, creams, bombs, and oils that are applied directly to the skin. They are primarily used for localized relief, such as reducing pain or inflammation and soreness. I uh, use a bomb on my hand a lot due to some arthritis, and it works pretty fucking quick. Topicals do not produce psychoactive effects, as the cannabinoids that are in them generally do not ever enter the bloodstream, and even if they do, it's extremely minimal to where you wouldn't even notice. Similar to tinctures, sublingual sprays or cannabis extracts that are sprayed under the tongue for absorption through the mucous membranes. They provide a discreet and fast-acting method with effects usually within 15 to 30 minutes. Sublingual sprays offer dosage control and, again, very popular for medical purposes. One of the big popular methods nowadays is dabbing. Dabbing involves heating a concentrated cannabis extract, such as what they call shatter or wax, on a hot surface and inhaling the vapor produced. This method delivers high concentrations of cannabinoids and provides an intense and immediate effect. 
Dabbing requires specialized equipment and is typically recommended for the more experienced users. Dabs are potent people. I mean, <laughs> think of the flour you purchase. That's what on average, most places where it's legal is 20 to 30 percent THC. And that's <laughs> if you're lucky, right? Uh, when it comes to the concentrates, concentrates are usually 75 percent or more. So, yeah, dabs are a lot more potent than just your regular flour smoking. Cannabis infused beverages have gained huge popularity in the recent years. These ready-to-drink products contain THC, CBD, or even sometimes a combination of both. The effects vary depending on the actual cannabinoid content, and the onset can range anywhere from about 15 minutes to a couple hours. I personally haven't ever tried any as they don't offer them in my area, so I can't give you a lot of information on them, unfortunately. But if you have experience with these beverages, hit me up at HLC Podcast 420 on any of the social media sites or our website and let me know how it was, what you thought about some of the beverages, which one you had you know, all the juicy details. Cannabis consumption methods offer a diverse range of experiences catering to different personal preferences and needs, whether it's the quick onset of smoking or dabbing or the long lasting effects of edibles. Understanding the pros and cons and potential risks associated with each method is crucial for a good experience and responsible use. If you're looking for some awesome and tasty recipes, hop on Amazon, grab the High Level Chronicles Leveled Up Cooking Cannabis Cookbook. It's on Amazon. Get it today. It's all of my favorite recipes for some of your, you know, favorite, favorite edibles. Now, let's address an important aspect, the potential health benefits of cannabis. While research is still ongoing, cannabis has shown promise in various medical applications. It contains compounds called cannabinoids, with the two most well-known being THC and CBD. THC is known for psychoactive effects, while CBD is non-intoxicating and often associated with potential therapeutic properties. Many people use cannabis to alleviate symptoms such as chronic pain, insomnia, anxiety, and even neurological conditions. However, it's important to note that every individual experience will vary, and it's always advisable to consult with a healthcare professional before incorporating cannabis into your wellness routine. While it's important to note that individual experiences may vary, cannabis has been found to offer potential therapeutic effects. It can help alleviate chronic pain, reduce inflammation, aid in sleep, manage anxiety and depression, and provide relief for certain medical conditions like epilepsy and multiple sclerosis. Cannabis has been used for its analgesic properties for thousands of years. Both THC and CBD can help alleviate pain by interacting with cannabinoid receptors in the brain and your peripheral nervous system. This is great for individuals with chronic pain conditions like myself, such as arthritis, multiple sclerosis, or even fibromyalgia. I mean, the list goes on and on. There's really no specific one that it's targeted to. Cannabinoids in cannabis have anti-inflammatory properties, which can be useful in managing conditions like rheumatoid arthritis, uh, IBS, and all types of pains associated with inflammation. It can also be used to alleviate nausea and vomiting, particularly in cancer patients undergoing chemo or individuals with gastrointestinal disorders. THC activates cannabinoid receptors in the brain digestive system, reducing nausea and also increasing your appetite. Some studies suggest that cannabinoids can have neuroprotective effects, potentially benefiting individuals with neurological conditions such as epilepsy, Parkinson's disease, and even Alzheimer's. CBD in particular has shown promise in reducing seizures in certain forms of epilepsy. Cannabis has been used to alleviate symptoms associated with various mental health conditions, especially anxiety and depression. However, you have to watch because the effects can vary depending on the individual and the specific strain or dosage used. There are some sativa strains, for instance, that send my anxiety through the roof, but others are perfectly fine. 
Same with sleeping. Certain strains, particularly those with a higher CBD content, are known for their sedative properties. They can help promote relaxation and improve sleep quality, making it beneficial for individuals with insomnia or any other sleep disorder. And as I said earlier, THC has been shown to increase appetite, which can be beneficial for individuals experiencing appetite loss due to medical treatments like chemo or those with conditions such as HIV and AIDS or even eating disorders. Trust me, there's a reason people call it the munchies. You know what I'm saying? Anyone seen Rush Hour with Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker when they go in that back room and the guy says it's for my glaucoma? Well, studies have indicated that cannabis can help lower intraocular pressure, making it a potential treatment option for glaucoma. However, the effects are temporary and may not be suitable as a long term solution. But that's why them motherfuckers with real glaucoma always stay fucking high, bro. They you always see them; their eyes are always red as hell. It's not the glaucoma. That's just because they high as shit. But uh, it's important to know that. You know, while cannabis shows promise for various health benefits, more research is definitely needed to fully understand its potential and determine optimal dosages, formulations, and delivery methods. Additionally, individual responses to cannabis can vary, and it can also have side effects such as drowsiness, dry mouth, impaired coordination, and cognitive effects, particularly when consuming strains with higher THC concentrations. Cannabis has been the subject of numerous misconceptions throughout history. These misconceptions have influenced everything from public opinion, policymaking, and even scientific research. Here are some of the most significant misconceptions, in my opinion, surrounding cannabis. Number one, a gateway drug. One huge misconception is that using cannabis will inevitably lead individuals to try harder drugs. While it is true that some people who use cannabis may go on to use other drugs, the majority of cannabis users do not progress to using any of the harder substances. The gateway theory has been widely debunked over and over and over, and numerous studies have shown that the correlation between cannabis and later drug use is not even close to causative. Number two, cannabis being highly addictive. Another common misconception is that it is highly addictive. While it is possible to develop a psychological dependence on cannabis, the addictive potential of cannabis is minuscule compared to substances like nicotine, alcohol, or even opioids. As a matter of fact, according to the National Institute of Drug Abuse, NIDA, only about 9% of cannabis users develop an addiction. Furthermore, the withdrawal symptoms associated with cannabis cessation are generally non-existent compared to those of other substances. Number three, cannabis leading to mental illness. There is a long-standing belief that cannabis use causes mental illness, particularly psychosis and schizophrenia. While cannabis can have an impact on mental health, the relationship between cannabis use and mental illness is complex. Research suggests that individuals with a predisposition to mental health issues may be more vulnerable to the negative effects of cannabis. However, it is incorrect to claim that cannabis use directly causes mental illness. So with that, I will say more research is needed to fully understand this relationship. Number four, cannabis is a dangerous drug. Many misconceptions portray cannabis as a dangerous substance that poses significant risk to health and society. While it is true that cannabis use is not without its own potential risks, it is crucial to understand that the level of harm varies significantly depending on factors such as frequency of use, methods of consumption, and individual susceptibility. In comparison to other substances, including legal ones like alcohol and tobacco, cannabis has been found to have a lower risk profile. Number five, cannabis has no medical value. For many years, cannabis has been stigmatized as a recreational drug with no legitimate medical applications. However, scientific research has revealed the therapeutic potential of cannabis and its compounds, particularly cannabinoids like THC, Delta 9 THC in particular, and CBD. These compounds have shown promise in managing chronic pain, 
Nausea and vomiting associated with chemo, muscle spasms in multiple sclerosis patients, and improving appetite in HIV and AIDS patients, among many other conditions. Medical cannabis is now legal in many, many states and jurisdictions, and it's increasingly being recognized for its therapeutic value. So like I said, the legal status and regulations of cannabis vary across different jurisdictions. Cannabis legalization has had a significant impact on society with both positive and negative consequences. It's important to establish responsible regulations to ensure public safety and minimize the potential risks associated with cannabis use. The economic impact. Job creation. Legalizing cannabis creates opportunities for employment across various sectors, including cultivation, manufacturing, distribution, and retail. This contributes to economic growth and reduces unemployment rates. Legal cannabis markets generate significant tax revenue for governments, which can be used to fund public services, education, healthcare, and even drug education programs. Medical benefits. As I just talked about, cannabis has shown potential therapeutic benefits for various medical conditions. Chronic pain, epilepsy, nausea caused by chemo. Legalization provides patients with access to safe and regulated cannabis products. It also allows for quality control measures to be implemented, ensuring that cannabis products meet all the safety standards. This reduces the risk of contamination with harmful substances and promotes consumer protection. Legalization facilitates scientific research on cannabis, enabling a better understanding of its potential benefits and risks. The research can inform evidence-based policies and medical practices. Some even say criminal justice impact, reduce arrest and prison overcrowding. Legalization eliminates the criminalization of cannabis possession and reduces the burden on the criminal justice system. This allows law enforcement resources to be redirected towards more serious crimes. Cannabis prohibition has disproportionately affected minority communities. We all know this, leading to racial disparities in arrest and conviction rates. However, to ensure public safety and mitigate potential risk, responsible regulations are crucial. Some of the key aspects, age restrictions. Strict age limits should be enforced to prevent underage access and use, similar to alcohol and tobacco regulations. A minimum age should be established, and effective mechanisms for age verification must be in place. Regulations should mandate comprehensive product testing for contaminants, potency, and accurate labeling of cannabis products. There are so many products on the market right now and in dispensaries, I see. I know half of these labels aren't right. We need stricter laws for these labeling to ensure what people are buying is what they want. This ensures consumers have access to safe and accurately labeled products, reducing health risks. Regulations should require child-resistant packaging to prevent accidental ingestion by children. We've all seen it on the news, all the children eating gummies and, and edibles that have THC in them. Additionally, responsible advertising guidelines must be established to prevent misleading claims and prevent targeting vulnerable populations. A well-regulated licensing system should be implemented to ensure that businesses operating in the cannabis industry adhere to safety standards. Regular inspections, compliance checks, enforcement mechanisms, these things are all essential to maintain accountability. Regulations should establish clear standards and penalties for driving under the influence of cannabis. Robust education programs and development of accurate roadside testing methods are necessary to discourage impaired driving. And public education. Public education campaigns should be implemented to inform the public about the potential risks and responsible use of cannabis. These include educating individuals about dosages, potential side effects, interaction with other substances, and responsible consumption practices. By implementing responsible regulations, governments can strike a balance between cannabis legalization and public safety. 
It allows for the economic benefits and medical potential of cannabis while minimizing the potential risk associated with its use. Ongoing evaluation and adaptation of regulations based on research and feedback from stakeholders are crucial to ensure the effectiveness of the regulatory framework. The legalization of cannabis has had significant economic impacts in states where it's been legalized for both medical and recreational use. These impacts can be observed across various sectors, including tax revenue, job creation, tourism, and ancillary industries. Let's dive more into each of these areas just a little bit and give some more detail. So tax revenue. Legalizing cannabis has provided states with a whole new source of tax revenue. By imposing taxes on cannabis sales, states generate substantial income. The specific tax structure varies by state, but generally include excise taxes, sales taxes, and licensing fees. This revenue can be utilized to fund public services, infrastructure development, education, healthcare, and substance abuse prevention and treatment programs. For instance, in Colorado, one of the earliest states to legalize recreational cannabis, their tax revenue from marijuana exceeded $387 million in 2020. In job creation, the cannabis industry has created numerous employment opportunities. Legalization has resulted in the establishment of cultivation facilities, processing and manufacturing plants, dispensaries, and testing labs. These establishments require a diverse workforce ranging from cultivation technicians and bud tenders to scientists and marketing professionals. According to a report by Leafly, the legal cannabis industry in the United States supported over 321,000 full-time equivalent jobs in 2020. I guarantee with all the states that have legalized cannabis since 2020, that number has gone up dramatically in three years. Ancillary industries. Beyond direct cannabis-related jobs, legalization has given rise to various ancillary industries. These include companies providing services such as security, packaging, consulting, transportation, software development, and marketing. The expansion of the cannabis industry has led to an increased demand for all of these auxiliary services, contributing to economic growth and job creation in related sectors that aren't even attributed on the books to cannabis jobs. In tourism, in states where cannabis is legal, there have been a notable increase in cannabis tourism. Visitors from both within and outside the state are attracted to legalized cannabis markets. This influx of tourists translates into increased spending on accommodations, restaurants, entertainment, and transportation. Colorado, Washington, and Oregon have experienced a surge in tourism since its legalization of recreational cannabis. Legalization also aims to curb the black market for cannabis. By providing legal avenues for purchase, regulated dispensaries can displace your so-called street dealers. This shift from the illegal market to the legal market allows government to control the quality and safety of products, ensure proper taxation, and redirects funds from criminal enterprises, as they like to call them, to legal businesses. Over time, as the legal market matures, it can further erode the illicit market share. Legalizing cannabis reduces the burden on law enforcement agencies and the criminal justice system. Prior to legalization, significant resources were allocated to enforcing cannabis prohibition, including arrests, prosecutions, and incarcerations, primarily in African Americans. By legalizing cannabis, these resources can be redirected towards more important law enforcement matters, you know, like getting these illegal weapons off the streets. I'm not talking about the legal ones, people. I'm all for 2A. I'm talking about all the illegal ones that you know criminals are always going to have. So for those of you who are new to cannabis and want to learn more, I have a few tips and guidelines to offer. 
First and foremost, start low and slow. Cannabis affects everyone differently. So it's important to begin with a small dose and gradually increase it if you feel it's necessary. You know, take that edible, wait a half hour, maybe 45 minutes, maybe even an hour. If it's not where you want to be, then take another one. Don't take two, three right off the bat because you might get a little too happy if you know what I'm saying. I'd end up on the couch fast asleep and not be able to do anything. Secondly, be mindful of the setting in which you consume your cannabis. Make sure to surround yourself, you know, in a comfortable and safe environment and consider having a trusted friend or family member around, you know, if you're doing this for the first time, if you're a noob to this. Finally, keep a cannabis journal. Keep track of what you smoke, what you took. Did you have an edible? How did it make you feel? Any other random thoughts or ideas you have, write down. Look back on it at a later date. Some of your best ideas come to you while you're leveled up. Grab our official High Level Chronicles Leveled Up Thought Journal on Amazon. That'll keep you in check, keep you writing down everything, and that way you don't forget. We all forget after we get I What was I talking about last night? Shit, I don't even remember. Get your Leveled Up Journal. So as we wind down our journey through the history of cannabis, I think we can all recognize this plant's complex and multifaceted past. From its ancient origins and widespread use in various civilizations to its controversial prohibition and current lean towards legalization. Cannabis has endured as a plant of great significance throughout human history. Its story serves as a reminder of the ever-evolving relationship between humans and the natural world. Levelers, that brings us to the end of today's episode I hope you found this introductory overview of cannabis helpful. I know there's so much more that we could dive into. As you navigate your way into this fascinating world, just research is going to be your best friend. Remember, knowledge is power. And with responsible use, cannabis can be an enjoyable and beneficial experience. If you have any questions or want us to cover a specific topic in a future episode, feel free to follow us on your favorite social media channels at HLC Podcast 420 or visit us on the web at highlevelchronicles.com and join our Discord community. Until next time, stay curious, stay informed, stay leveled up. 